Every year, I am always surprised at like, like we do, we kind of celebrate our seniors, and then I'm just surprised at how quick the summer goes. I'm like, I'm always a little bit like caught off guard and sad that they're that they're leaving. Um, seeing if you ask any of our seniors, they'll be the first to tell you like, don't take your time for granted. Time goes really fast, right? Seniors, graduating seniors, time goes really fast. Don't take it for granted. Yeah, if you are a sixth grader or you are a uh, freshman and you're thinking like, it's going to be so long before I graduate, uh, know that it's going to come faster than you think. Uh, and actually, like, uh, all of our lives is, are going to, to just, in general, move much faster than we think. We always think that we have forever, but the truth is that we don't. Um, we have about 70 years, 70 to 80 I guess with modern medicine, and it probably keeps going up, but we don't have like unlimited time. And so, uh, like, as you consider your time, I just wanted to go through a couple uh, fun statistics. You will spend uh, four months of your life, if you live to be 70, you'll spend four months of your life deciding what to wear. Uh, that's for guys. Like, I think for girls, it might have been like six months. It was, it was just a little more, just a little. You will spend one year of your life commuting. If you drive on 217, you'll probably spend 10. Um, you will spend two years of your life going to the bathroom. Uh, it was like, anyway, anyways. You will spend just over three and a half years of your life eating. You'll spend 26 years sleeping. That's a lot of your life. You, this one was the most interesting to me for some reason. You'll spend seven years of your life trying to fall asleep. So um, here's the thing though. You're, you will spend on average, if you're, if you're like the average Person, you will spend nine years of your life watching TV. Um, you will spend nine years of your life on your phone. So those probably overlap. Those probably overlap. A lot of you guys are probably double dipping. You're probably on your phone while you're watching TV. And so even if we kind of cross those over, you're probably, we're talking like probably 10 to, to 14 years of our life on devices. I bring this up because uh, we've been in this series called Love Over Likes, and we've been talking about what it looks like to, uh, to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength. Um, and tonight we're, we're going to be honing in on strength. Uh, and really, when we began this series, we, we, were, we talked about how the things that we do do something to what we love. Do you guys remember this? The things that we do form our loves. Like if we continually do something, we will, we will grow in our love for it. And here's the other thing. What we love also has a say in what we do. So it's, it's kind of like, and if we, and what we love and what we do actually becomes the sum total of our life. So that's why we've been talking about like with digital temptation, what does it look like to like to define our, our, our right relationship with technology so that we can pursue loving the Lord even more. 
right? How we have all these habits, routines, these rhythms in our lives uh, that, that are maybe stealing our affection and our love. And we've talked a lot about how uh, the digital just doesn't have the power or the meaning to hold uh, all of the most important parts of us. Like God who made us and created us, he knows uh, the innermost parts of us. He can fulfill the desires of our life and tech just falls short. And so we've been talking about what it looks like to redefine our relationship with tech, to put some of that off so that we can, then Ephesians says, right? Take off the old life, put on the new life to put on some, some things, some practices and some disciplines that help us in our relationship and our walk with the Lord. Because um, like the spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines, whichever one you want to call it, as we do these things, it actually grows our affection for Christ. Like, like reading and praying read, being in, and being in community, all of these things grow our affection for God. And I would say like all these things we do on tech tend to steal that away. And so um, the first, like just to give you a little bit of a roadmap of where we've been, I talked a lot about like, how, how technology through addiction has really like stolen our hearts and our minds. Like, like we have become addicted because there's people that want to make money off of our attention by selling us ads, by selling up subscriptions and in-app purchases. And, um, the first like two weeks we talked a bit about the dangers of tech. And last week we talked uh, about loving God with our soul. We talked about how when we are pursuing God, when we are meditating on his law, uh, it, it actually helps us be like a strong tree planted by a, a stream, that we, that we grow strong, that, that when we are following God's law, that, that it's actually a delight, right? Scripture calls it a delight. De- psalm 1, delight in the law of the Lord. There's another psalm that describes the law of the Lord like honey, why? Because God's way actually is better than wasting our lives away, than spending nine, 15 years on screens. I'm not saying that tech is the only obstacle. I'm just saying it's like one of the biggest. In my relationship and as I've hung out with teens, it feels like when I'm like, hey, um, like how is your relationship with God? How are, like, how are, in what ways are you pursuing your relationship with the Lord? Usually tech is the greatest obstacle. And so that's why we've been pursuing this. And this is the last one. This is the last one we're doing. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And tonight is the last one. And uh, I just want to say like this, this idea of following, following after Jesus with everything, like uh, it's, some people will say like, it's just should be a part of your life, but really following Jesus should be the whole of our life. Uh, you know, when Jesus was with his disciples and uh, all these people turned away from them, Jesus turned to his, to his disciples and he said, will you turn away too? And they just looked at him and said, Lord, where else would we go? Where else would we go? And that's really like, that's what it means to, to walk with the Lord. It's like, we are so invested. We have dedicated our entire life to it. And so, Lord, where else would we go? It's not like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I haven't really sacrificed that much for this relationship. It, you know, I guess if, if I wasn't walking with God, it might, I might not go to church once a month, or maybe I guess I wouldn't go on Easter or Christmas Eve, whatever. Like, if it was like, hey, are you going to turn away from your faith? Would you be like, whoa, that would blow my life up? Or would it be like, oh, it would actually be pretty chill? Like, if you want to get all of the riches and goodness out of your relationship with the Lord, it should be so intertwined with your life that it's like, hey, if you weren't a Christian, 
like that your mind would automatically go, what would I do? Where else would I go if I didn't have the Lord? And that's really like the heart of loving the Lord with all of your strength, all of your strength, so much so that you've dedicated everything, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your efforts, your creativity, your hopes, your dreams, it's all been placed in one basket and it's the Lord. It's what it looks like to love it with all of your strength. Uh, this word strength in the Hebrew, it's, it's actually uh, miod and it means, it means love the Lord. This word miod means muchness. Love the Lord uh, with all of your muchness. Like it doesn't make, like it doesn't work, but it makes sense. You know what it's saying. Love the Lord with all of your muchness, with all that you have, with, with every ounce of you. Place all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, this could mean devoting, this means, this word moed, means devoting every possibility, opportunity, and capacity to loving the Lord. I love what Colossians 3.17 says. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In whatever you do, devote it to the Lord. This is like when I, I've, I've said it several times, but I just cannot stop thinking about like putting, banking it all, right? This is all the chips on the table for Jesus in everything I do. Not like I'll put 90% in, in everything, not an Ananias and Sapphira, like I'll dedicate it all, Lord, and they even tell everyone else, I'm giving it all, but they're holding some back. Not that kind of dedication. Full on, full tilt, all in. Why? Because scripture says that when you, when you go all in for Jesus, it's like building your house upon the rock, right? When you go all in for Christ, nothing can tear that kind of life down. Not any storms, not any, not any health threats, not any threats to your finances, not any threats to your relationships, that when you build your house upon the rock, that you are secure, that nothing can threaten that. That's why we go all in. That's why in all that we do, whether word or deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Maybe you may be wondering, and we're already hitting application, we're going straight to it because it's really not that complicated. It's like, do you love the Lord with everything? Do you, are you all in for Jesus? And, and this is our application for this. This is loving the Lord with all of our muchness, all of our strength. Because like, like we do a lot of, we love a lot of other things with muchness. Tech is one of them. Like I could go out on a, on a long list, but what does it look like to go all in for Christ? Here's, here's some things that I think could help us in this pursuit. Number one, application point, consider what Christ has done for you. Consider what Christ has done for you. There's this guy, Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Uh, Nicholas, this is a true story of a prodigal son, someone that gave up everything for God. He was of noble descent. He, he was of noble birth. He, had, he pretty much had it all. Um, his parents passed when he was young, but he was born in Czechoslovakia in 1700. And there's this story that says that when young Nicholas uh, was 10 years old, that he saw a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
And when he saw this picture on the cross, it's like he sensed the Lord speaking to him. This I did for you, what do you do for me? He felt like God was saying like, I died for you, how are you going to live for me? He was so impressed by this that he started a little club to teach and encourage other people to, to strive for personal holiness and to share their faith to be strong in evangelism. He was 10 years old. He's like, I'm going to start this club. When he was 15, uh, he and his classmates promised that on every occasion to confess Christ and to seek the conversion of men. So they're like him and all these dudes, they'd been in a Bible study for 10 years or for five years, 10-year-old to 15-year-old, they made an oath. We're gonna talk about Christ every single opportunity that we have. When he got older, he purchased a large plot of land from his grandmother. Uh, in 1972, uh, he, he sought to help a group of persecuted people who were led by a guy named Christian David, and he allowed them to settle on this land. And this group would become later become known as the Moravians. Maybe you've heard of the Moravians. Maybe you haven't. I'm going to tell you about them. So Zinzendorf, Nicholas, he challenged this group of about 300 people, just 300 people, to be soldiers for Christ and to evangelize to the world. And, and these Moravians, these people, put into action the Great Commission. They were, uh, they were active and instrumental in founding missions in places like Africa, Asia, Greenland. They even, they even ministered to the... Uh, American natives. And it's said that, um, that the Moravians were the ones that led John Wesley to Christ. Um, they also influenced William Carey. And sorry if these names don't mean anything to you, but William Carey was the father of, of the missionary movement. Father of modern missions is what some people have called him. By the time that Nicholas died in 1760, so he only lived 60 years. After 28 years of cross-cultural mission, the Moravians had sent out 226 missionaries and entered 10 different countries. In 1760, when he passed, there was 49 men and 17 women serving in 13 stations around the world, ministering to over 6,000 people. The Moravians had a 100-year continuous prayer movement. So like we look at like Asbury and we're like, dude, that was pretty cool. Like, and it was, it was, I'm not discounting it, but like we know that college student campus gathered together for many weeks and prayed, worshiped. The Moravians did it for 100 years, birthing revival across different countries, leading thousands of people to Jesus, all because uh, Nicholas Zinzendorf said like, Lord, use me. I'm all in for you. So that's the first application point. Consider what Jesus did for you. And then, and then think in return, like, like God, what do, you want, what do you want from me? Like, you died on the cross for me, right? The gospel is this, that we were in right relationship with God, um, but, but we sinned, we sought our own way, and relationship was broken, and we couldn't earn our way back. And so Jesus came, he died on the cross for us, so that relationship, so that there would be a bridge between us and God. He took on the penalty. He made it possible for us to have eternal life if we will like accept Jesus, starting now and lasting forever. Like that's the gospel. And when we consider the gospel, when we go like, Jesus, you went to great lengths for me, um, and I'm I meant to become like you and to, and to make you known to others. Like, 
what great lengths are we willing to go for the sake of those that are lost in our world? Like, that's the question we should be considering. Like, God, you gave it all up. Jesus, you gave it all, all up. You stepped down from, from heaven, from, from like a perfect, comfortable position, and you came down, you got in our mess, and you died on the cross so that we could be in right relationship with you. Like, we should go, like, we should look at the opportunity to live for Christ as this amazing honor. Sometimes we bear it as a burden, like, man, living for Christ is just hard, and it is, but, but in light of what he did for us, it's nothing, right? The second, the second application point is this. Number your days. Like, just know that your, your days are numbered. I know I was throwing out 70 years. None of us are guaranteed 70 years. Like, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow even, right? Psalm 90, 12 says this. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. James 4.14 says, you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is, it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Like we think we have all of this time, but our life is a vapor. Ecclesiastes says this, it's better to go into the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart, right? This is just saying funerals are better than weddings, like, actually, like, when you go to a funeral, you go, yeah, I'm going to be there someday. And it causes us to consider, what do I want my life to count for? Like, I want you for a moment with me to just think of the end. Like, here's the truth. Some people um, do pass away quickly, but most of us, we're going to die slowly. Like, over the course of months or weeks or days, we're going to have a lot of time to be on our deathbed. Um, And I want you to imagine that moment. It's worth imagining. When you're on your deathbed, maybe it is when you're 75 or something. When you're on your deathbed, you'll ask these questions. You're going to ask, what did my life add up to? Did it matter? What did I live for? Who's going to remember me? What will they say when I'm gone? Why was it important that I existed? And the question is, like, will you lie there with, with no regrets, right? That's what we would all want, to be able to lie on our deathbed with no regrets. Our days are numbered. The, when we reach our, our deathbeds, like, no regrets. We have run the race, right? Hebrews talks about running the race with endurance. We have run the race, and we feel good about it. Will we have some regrets? Probably. Some people will have nothing but regret. And I say that as a warning because you guys are, are young yet. You still have a long runway to turn your life around, to make your life count. Think about um, how you, how you want to end your story. How do you want to end your story? You know, I ask, I ask guys this question a lot when I'm discipling them. What do, you, what do you want the end to look like? What do you want people to say at your funeral? Um, and I, I ask these questions. Fill out this blank. The thing that was important to me was blank. People will say I stood for blank. I made a difference in the world by people knew I loved them because 
The reason I expect God to say, well done, is... And I found a list of responses from some of these guys I used to disciple. This is almost 10 years old. This is a, this is a real response. And I love this guy. I'm not trying to throw shade, but listen to this. People said I stood for being an amazing guy, that I was fun and cool, also really funny and fun to be around. That's what you want? <laughs> That's what you want at the end? You want people to go, you want people to go like, man, he really was, he really was an amazing guy. He was fun and cool and also really funny and fun to be around. Is that really, like another guy said, um, another guy said, I want people to say that I was respectful. what you want at your funeral? <laughs> I, w- I want people to say, really respectful guy, honestly. That's not your response. That's your mom's response. <laughs> your mom's been telling you to respect people for years. It's all you've got, right? I could go on and on. Some of these are, I'll give you, a, I'll give you guys some good ones. It's worth giving some good ones. Um, they just get worse. There's good ones. <laughs> this is one. I, I want people to say I made a difference in the world by giving people a fun and awesome time. There really are some good ones. I, I really, I promise. Um, but like, really, how would you answer those questions? What do you want people to say? I know that we're like laughing at, my good friend, I love this guy. But I know we're laughing, but some of you guys, that is the, the, the extent of your goal. Like, when I die, I just want people to think, like, that dude was a hoot. He was just a hoot and a half. He made funny jokes. I just loved it. But it's like, do you want more for your life? Um, consider, this leads me to the next one, consider your purpose. Like, why are you, why are you here? What is your God given purpose. It's worth considering, right? Ephesians 2.10 says that you were placed here for a purpose, for we are God's handiwork. Another word for that handiwork is poem, like we are God's masterpiece. Each of you in this room, you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God has good works prepared in advance for you to do. He has a plan for your life. Like, and here's the thing. It could be, there is a general calling. I really believe this. There's a general calling in our life that every Christian is called to. Like Jesus said after he, before he went into heaven, he said, go and make disciples, baptize people in my name. That's a general calling. That's something that we should all be pursuing. If you follow the Lord, like part of your purpose and calling is to make disciples. Part of your when, when someone asked Jesus, this whole series is about the Shema, when someone said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love others. Like outside of loving God and loving others and making disciples, because that is a calling that if you follow the Lord, you're, you're called to all of those. Um, but is there anything else in your life that maybe God's given you, out, like 
there's a general calling. Maybe he's given you specific callings. Maybe for some of you in this room, like there are certain things that the Lord has gifted you with that, and some tasks, some works that he's created for you to do um, that, are, that are for you. That like he wants to partner, partner with you um, to, to bring others to him. Like um, check out this Venn diagram, okay? This, this could help you if you're wondering, does God have any specific, that word chazon, it means vision, Okay. Um, but if you're wondering, like, does God have any specific callings in my life? I know the general callings, love God, love others, make disciples. But if you're wondering, are there any, like, what are the specific callings that God's calling me to? Um, these are some things. This isn't, this is just like a tool. This isn't like scriptural necessarily, but this is a tool to find perhaps God's like calling in your life. Maybe, maybe some things that he's just calling you to do. Consider your core values, like, what makes you, what are the things that make you angry? What keeps you up at night? What frustrates you? God might be calling you to act justly in whatever that sphere is. If it's, if it's homelessness, if that frustrates you, perhaps the Lord has a job for you. If it's, um, like, if it's like broken families, like you just get so frustrated when you see a broken family, maybe God has for you the task of like, of maybe creating a, a family, a, a functioning healthy family, or maybe being a part of family restoration, like possibilities are endless, right? Like what makes you mad? What gets you excited? What are the things that you are fired up about um, in, in relationship to your relationship with God? Like in, 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 in perspective of his kingdom. Here's the other thing you can check out, check out is past experiences. What are the things in your life, good or bad, that you've gone through that you feel like has uniquely gifted you to step into that calling, right? Maybe like for you, um, oh, I'll just use my life, for example. I've had a tough go with my family. And so I really truly feel like part of my identity and, and, and part of my specific calling is, um, is to help those that are in broken, hurting families. That's a really, that's part of my calling. I feel like God's place that burden on that, that not like bad burden, but that burden on my soul to help people that are in struggling family situations, to be able to empathize and relate with them. Another specific one in my life is like, um, I've seen the benefit of coming from a broken family and then being in relationship with people that are from like healthy families. I've seen how first generation Christians can help like second, third, fourth generation Christians be passionate about their faith. And I've seen how second, third, and fourth generation Christians can help welcome a first generation Christian into the family of God. I've seen this mutual benefit. And so I feel like a very direct calling in my life is to unite different demographics of all kinds of um, like ethnic diversity, age, um, socioeconomic, like rich and poor, Christian, non-Christian. I feel like God has specifically laid this burden on my heart to unite God's people from all different backgrounds. And that's very specific to me. But what, what maybe past experiences, good or bad, has, has God, does God want to use for his kingdom? And then spiritual gifts. What, what are some ways that you are, are naturally gifted, right? What's, what are some things that you have known that you're good at since a young age? Like I was just sharing with someone the, just today, Rhonda, our front desk lady. I was telling her how Nick, Pastor Nick, is gifted in hospitality. 
He's good at loving people. He's good at welcoming them into spaces, even if it's not his house. I think that's a spiritual gift. I think that's something that God has given him. What, what things have people told you that you're good at? And if you look at all those things, your values, like if you just value like relationship or maybe you value justice or truth, what are, what are your, how do your values, your experiences and your spiritual gifts come all together to give you a calling and purpose for your life? Like there's a general calling and then there's specific. I think God has specific things for each of you. Um, what's your life purpose? You might consider these questions if you're still trying to think about it. Uh, if money were not an object and you could do anything you wanted for the rest of your life, what would you do? That's worth asking. And I don't mean like, I don't mean a dumb answer. I don't mean like, the dumb answers I get all the time. Like, I just want to be, some of you, I think God is actually going to call some people to YouTube or be a YouTuber, but I don't think he's going to call most of you to it. And usually when I say like, hey, why is that your life purpose? It's like, I want to make a ton of money and do nothing. And I'm like, that's a bad life purpose, right? There is like, what is this calling, this purpose that God's given you, this general calling, and what are these specific callings? And what if you could, what if, what if money wasn't an obstacle? It's worth asking that question. What about this one? Besides loving, caring for, and ministering to those who are most important to you, what is the number one thing you believe God wants to accomplish through you? It's worth asking that question as well. Um, because we're all called to love and care for and minister to people. But what if there's like one or two things that God just wants you to do? What, what are those things? What are you, what's calling you to? And out of that general and specific calling, I think it's important next to make some goals around those. Because a lot of people are never going to ask at the end of, like most people aren't going to ask that question, what do I want my life to count for until it's too late? A lot of people, the first time they're gonna ask that is on their deathbed. They're, they're just gonna like mosey through life, find themselves at their deathbed and be like, I got here, I hope it all added up, right? But we can choose, we can like, seek with God our life purpose, and then we can make goals to ensure that our life like makes the, the biggest impact that it can, right? Um, you know, Jesus grew in many ways. Like making goals is good so that it helps us get to the destination, so that it helps us accomplish, so that it helps us love God with all of our muchness. Like there is a doing aspect to this verse. Like we are saved by God, not for our works, but if we are saved by God, then it ought to motivate works. Do you understand that order? Like, it's not the things you do. Like, you could, you could squander your whole life, accept Christ on your deathbed, and go to heaven. I believe that. But, like, you could accept Christ, and from that, all these good works, all these people's lives changed, all this legacy created. It's important to make these goals. And Jesus grew in all these ways. Check this out. Luke 2, 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Like Jesus even grew in certain areas of his, of his life. It's important to, to take stock in what opportunities, what talents, gifts, abilities, op- and, and those sorts of things we have in our life, and then to use them for God's glory. Check out this. Um, this, is a, a, this is a bicycle wheel. Think of that center point as your life purpose, general or specific calling, right? Um, 
this could be discipleship, love God, love others. It could be like maybe God's calling someone to make gelato with their life and share the gospel through gelato. I don't, there's a specific calling, there's general in there. And then there's all these things that, that can help you press, press into that purpose. God, the way, what I don't like is this makes it look like God is just like a spoke like all the rest. He really is the main spoke. It's worth stating. Your relationship with God will guide you and push you and thrust you into your life's purpose. And then, uh, like, what goals do you need to make around that? Consider that. Like, if this is my life purpose, how do I need to draw closer to God to, to do my life's calling? Um, like, do I need more? Do I need, need to make a goal of spending more time with Him in prayer or scripture or being in community or having more accountability? Like, there's people, relationships with people. What kind of, oh, this was the other thing I was going to say about God. What draws you closer to God and what pushes you further away? When you consider your life's purpose, it's worth noting those things. What draws you closer and how do you get more of that? What pushes you away and how do you get less of that? When it comes to relationship with people, are there, are there relationships that you need to make some goals around? Relationships that you need to initiate? Relationships that you need to nurture? Are there relationships you need to restore? Are there relationships you need to cut out? How might you make goals to then accomplish that purpose, that goal in your life, that purpose and goals in your life? The other one is money, right? Like we're all gonna be given different amounts of money in our life. We can steward, it's it's all God's money, but we can steward it to move us towards those God-given callings in our life or away. I would just say things you can do are like commit to giving generously, to others, to to tithe, don't accrue debt. Like accruing debt could literally inhib, like inhibit your ability to do what God's calling you to do. Don't take on tons of debt that gets in the way of you being like, if you wanna, for instance, if you wanna be a missionary, like some mission organizations won't send you with college debt. Do you guys know this? You guys heard this? Like, there's literally, finances can get in the way if we don't walk wisely. Be generous, be giving. And then there's health. Care for your body, eating, sleeping, staying fit, like so that you'll live longer and so that you'll have more time to steward. So that you'll, the time that you're stewarding will be better spent. You won't be as exhausted, those sorts of things. And then finally, there's like work. What, is, what, what goals do you, what do you guys want your life work to be? Think about that now. It's worth thinking about these things now. Money, health, like all preemptively because you guys are going to be moving into that before before too long. Like how do you want, what do you want your life's work to be spent doing? What goals, what are some goals you need to set? Um, and then it's worth asking like, especially when it comes to relationship with, with tech, like what if this nine hours that I, this nine to 15 hours that I spent on my screen stopped me from meeting some of these goals. It helps us do a cost benefit analysis. Like, this is the life I want to live. 15 years of my life could really mess that up for me, right? We, we do that with lots of other things too. You could go, this is how I want my life to count. This is what I want people to say about me. This is the legacy that I want to leave. Like, how are these things getting in the way? Sometimes when we're doing it, we just think we're gaining, like we're gaining screen time or we're gaining this thing, but, but time is limited. It's, the, it's the, a, a limited resource 
and, and like we all um, have the same amount to spend in a day. It's the one thing where it's like, we all have 24 hours, how, how do we spend it? Um, and I just would encourage you to love the Lord with all of your heart, to put all of your eggs in one basket, to put all of your chips on the table for Christ and say, everything I have, these spokes and every other spoke, it's yours, God.